It's Monday, May 21st, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the gospel according to Luke, and we are joined by Josh Caldwell, our international director. Josh will walk us through Luke chapter 19, verses 47 through 48. Today, we're going to look at text from Luke chapter 19, verses 47 and 48. Just two verses there at the end of the chapter of chapter 19. We've been studying chapter 19 for the last couple of weeks. And during our time today, we're going to look at these verses, but we're going to take a couple steps back and look at what Dr. Rick talked about last week at the end of his time, verses 45 and 46. We're also going to look way back at Luke chapter 9, which I was able to teach last month. In our text today, we can be reminded that Jesus Christ is our Lord, and he began the final week of his life on earth during this text. And at the end of the week, on Friday, he will be betrayed, tried, and crucified. Let's remember that he has just come through the triumphant entry into Jerusalem, where the people laid down their clothes and tree branches and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But before we go on to our text today, I would like for us to travel back to Luke 9. I taught this a couple of months ago, and I think it is important for us to reflect on these these verses as we look at our text today. In Luke 9, verse 51, it says this, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Oftentimes we're looking at sections of verses like this in Bible study time. We go through to the end and there is a great point to be made about Christ, like the climax at the end of a story. But in these section of verses here is very important to understand that um, the climax is right here, that he set his face to go to Jerusalem. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, the days are drawing near for Christ to ascend into heaven. And this part of this verse refers here to God's purpose soon to be realized. The purpose of Christ going to the cross to die for the forgiveness of sins. In Acts 1, 2, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And in Acts 1, 11, it says, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you from heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Several other places in Luke 9, Jesus talked about his death. Luke 9, 21, it says Jesus foretells his death, and he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, Son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed on the third day and be raised. Let's remember this verse because... We will talk about elders, chief priests, scribes again in the verses that we're looking at today in Luke 19. But Luke 9 31 says this, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he had, he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So Jesus is foretelling his death and it is connecting to Luke 19. Let's look one more time at Luke chapter 9 in verses 43 and 45. It says this, but while they were all marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, let these words sink into your ears. The son of man is about to be delivered in 
the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying, and it was concealed from them so that they might not perceive it, and they were afraid to ask him what he was saying. This part of the verse, the second part of this verse 51 that was really important here, it says his face was set to Jerusalem. Uh, In other translations, it says that he was resolutely set. Knowing the divine plan that Jesus literally set his face to Jerusalem in order for God to fulfill his life, he determined to follow God's plan. This is not a quick or heroic death, but this is a death that would be a difficult one but it would be accomplished by him. When Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem, he knew that it would eventually end up in his death. Let's look back at Luke chapter 19, our verses for today, verses 45 through 48. In light of what we saw in Luke 9, Jesus was setting his face to Jerusalem. He was setting his face to go to the cross and to die. And now we've come to the last week of his life, which is in Jerusalem. Luke 19, 45 through 48, he went into the temple and began to throw out those who were selling. And he said, it is written, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Every day he was teaching in the temple. The chief priest and the scribes and the leaders of the people were looking for a way to kill him, but they could not find a way because all the people were captivated by what they heard. He went into the temple Jesus was the king. He was a king and he had come to focus on the spiritual things. He did not come to destroy the politicians, but he came to look at what God had brought him there for. He made his entry into Jerusalem. He went straight to the temple and the temple was a place of God, the place that God met with his people sinful people, a place of holiness and reverence. And when people came to Jerusalem, they they came to sacrifice and they would need a sacrifice and they would need to buy a sacrifice or to bring a sacrifice with them. And people were selling the sacrifices right there in the temple. And this was a this was a huge issue. And you think about the religious people of that day and what was going on. They were making money off the people that were required by the Lord to come and to sacrifice. And the temple leader was allowing the selling and profiting of sacrifices right there in the temple. And the temple was not a place for this. And the temple was not a place to be disgraced by business practices. Jesus in Luke 2, early in his life, calls the temple his father's house. And you think about that. This means his reaction was warranted. The people were disgracing not only a temple, not only a building, but they were disgracing something so deep into Jesus. They were disgracing his father's house. Jesus wanted to make things right because he felt a deep connection to his father and was not going to let his father's house be disgraced. So he cleansed the temple. I don't think it's a coincidence that Malachi 3, 1 through 5 says this, since I'm going to send my messenger and he will clear the way before me, then the Lord you seek will suddenly come into his temple, the messenger of the covenant you delight in. He is coming, says the Lord of armies. But who can 
endure the day of his coming and who will be able to stand when he appears for he will be like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's bleach. He will be like a refiner and a purifier of silver and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine the gold and silver and then they will present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Jesus cleanses the temple. He comes to the temple suddenly and then he cleanses it just like we hear here in Malachi in the Old Testament. After Jesus cleanses the temple, after he returns over and shows his authority, we see verses 7 and 8. Every day he was teaching in the temple. The chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people were looking for a way to kill him, but they could not find a way to do it because all the people were captivated by what they had heard. Every day he was teaching in this temple. Isn't this a special time of hearing that Jesus was going to teach, and that meant he was teaching until his death, and these were very important things because he had driven out the people from the temple. It was like he was saying, I'm going to cleanse the temple, and I'm going to teach what was supposed to be taught. The chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders were doing all that they could to find a way to kill him. And if you want to look later at Matthew 21 and 22, you'll see the chief priest and the leaders trying to trap Jesus. But after all of that, in, verses, in verse 48 of Luke 19, it says, they could not do because all of the people were captive by what they heard. They were hanging on his lips. There are such great reminders here in these verses for us today. And let's first think about the temple and him cleansing the temple and then thinking about 1 Corinthians 3, 15 and 18. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Don't you yourself know that you are God's temple and that the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that is where, what you are. Think about us as God's temple. Think about us as, as the temple that needs to be cleansed. We have sin in our lives and our hearts. If we don't know the Lord, we need to turn to him, repent, and be saved and allow him to cleanse us of our sins. And if we are followers of Christ, what junk do we have in our hearts and lives that's disgracing the temple of God, disgracing him because we are his temple? Colossians 3 teaches us to put to death things of this world. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put to death is a strong word there in Colossians 3, meaning to kill that sin that is in your life. Christ can cleanse us of our sinfulness and daily we can repent and ask him to cleanse us and make us right with before him. And what today do we need to ask him to cleanse us of? And then in Luke 19, at the very end, where it talks about the people were captivated by what they heard. What is captivating us today? Is, is our t attention 
uh, stuck on something like music or TV or our phone or our internet? Is Are we distracted today? What are we being captivated by? Is God's word captivating us today? All of the distraction of this world can lead us not to give God his full attention that he deserves and desires from us. And I know I get caught in going from one thing to the next, from one distraction to the next. But our question today is, are we being captivated by his word? Are we looking to his word in the midst of our daily lives? Are we focusing on the chaos around us or are we focusing on the word of God? Uh, I want to read a few scriptures here in our ending time today and just let us reflect on these scriptures and these truths throughout scripture that we want the Lord to captivate us with. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, take off the former self and to and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity. The call to endurance in Hebrews 12, since you're such, uh, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that lies out before us, keeping our eyes before Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. Philippians 4, 8. Uh, this is something that I think is really true in my life and in others. When you focus on things, maybe chaos around you or maybe something that has gone wrong, but the Lord teaches us in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, and whatever is just, whatever is pure and lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Don't dwell on things of this world. Don't dwell on difficulties, but dwell on the things that are true and honorable and praiseworthy before the Lord. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, it talks about bitterness and anger and wrath and shouting and slander. We are to remove all of that and be kind and compassionate and forgiving those around us. Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous and don't be afraid for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with your righteous right hand. And then John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your heart become troubled or feared. All, think about all these verses that I've just read. These are things that can captivate our hearts and focus our minds and our hearts on these things because daily we have things that come at us that we need to focus those those difficulties or those challenges, we need to focus them on God's word and we need to think about his word and what he can do through our lives today. I would encourage you to think about what the Lord, what things in your life are distracting you from the Lord and what verses can we think of practically each day that we can focus on and, and focus our heart's attention on the Lord and let those things captivate us today. Well, thanks, Josh. And this week we are praying for the country of China and we are praying that the gospel will continue to go forth throughout China for believers to be strengthened and steadfast in the midst of heightened opposition to the gospel, that God will soften the hearts of our unbelieving staff, that, 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 that the Lord would, would be with all the waiting children and help them find families or help opportunities for them to thrive in China. We pray for families who are struggling 
through post-adoption processes, that with the emotional and spiritual difficulties. We're praying that God would bring wisdom and peace and confidence in his sovereignty and hope. We're praying that the Lord would provide more families who are open to older children and children with more significant special needs. We're praying for upcoming travel possibilities later this year to do some training in Yin Chuan with CCCWA. We're praying uh, as well for NGOs in China who are, are facing challenges due to changing regulations. And, and we're praying for our connections with other ministries in China, specifically for New Day Ministries and Morningstar Ministries as they are run by some of our expat friends of Lifeline. Let's pray for our in-country team, for Lily and Rebecca and Aaron and Helen and Nancy and David and Michael and the rest of our guides throughout China. We're also praying for our ongoing unofficial relationships with local governments and orphanage staff. And we're praying that our favor with the CCCWA will continue to increase and that our agency is protected from many of the, the, the storm that's happening currently in China. We're praying for our team in the States, for stamina for our China team, and that the Lord will guide us as we seek to work efficiently as a team. We're, we're praying that we navigate all of the changes to the China program well, and we're praying that we are able to care for families well as they wait for referrals, and that the Lord would give us wisdom on how to best care for the kids who won't be adopted and continue to connect with locals who are believers. So let's pray. Lord, we pray for the country of China that the gospel would continue to go forth for believers within China to be strengthened and for them to be steadfast in sight and amidst uh, just heightened opposition to the gospel and, and heightened uh, uh, persecution. Uh, we are just praying for the waiting children and orphans uh, throughout China that you would give them a hope of a family and the hope of a future. Uh, pray for, uh, we pray for the new day and morning star, Lord, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them favor, that you would give them opportunities in which to minister. And we pray for our team, particularly Lily and Rebecca. We thank you for them and for their love and the, the way that they serve in so many different ways. We continue to pray for the work that they do amongst orphans in China. We pray for our team here in the United States, that you would give them wisdom, that you would help them to be efficient, that you would help them as they navigate through all of the changes, and that you would help them as they minister to the hearts of families and they disciple families well. And Lord, we know that you love China, and we thank you for the love that you've given us for this nation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.